What's up? Welcome to the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. Me and Dynasty IM Ian are live on Twitter. If you're listening on any type of podcasting app like Spotify, Apple Music in the future, then you can check us out every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. I'm waiting for Ian to hop in right now, but I'm going to take listener questions until he does. So if anyone wants to jump up and ask a question, feel free to request. Okay, so I'm still waiting on Ian, but I want to start off by talking about a couple of players that I'm really not sure what to do in to do with in Dynasty Fantasy Football, and that's DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson. They're losing some of their sort of youthful luster that makes them higher up in the Dynasty rankings despite their overall production because of their peripherals like what their target share is um how efficient they are they are at earning targets um and they've been held back by their situation so they're kept up because of their potential if their situations were to break right so to speak and it's not happening obviously with them being well outside the top 24 wide receivers right now even though they're both inside the top 24 last year with Deontay inside the top 12 and as a result, they're falling down dynasty rankings. They're still earning targets, but the situation has not been great for them. Uh, Ian, what are you doing right now with Deontay Johnson and DJ Moore? Well, you're just holding them right now mm-hmm. because the peripherals um, have been fine in terms of, like you said, earning targets. Yeah. Um, I mean, players that earn targets are players that we want. The thing is that they're earning, and they're both earning a high amount of targets. They're both in that alpha range. DJ Moore just above twenty five percent. I believe Deontay is just above twenty seven percent. Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah, but so they're earning a lot of targets, which is exactly what we want. But they're coming on offenses where, for uh, Pittsburgh's sake, they don't have. Um, a good quarterback let's say they have a rookie quarterback who is likely not very good and he's a rookie so we know that rookie quarterbacks aren't producers and they aren't exactly wide receiver friendly and then mitch trubisky um well we know mitch trubisky that's the thing and then dj moore he's been stuck with a terrible maker mayfield to start the season and then this last game was absolutely horrendous uh there's this stat that there's 10 passes thrown or nine passes thrown behind the line of scrimmage to one thrown uh, ahead of the line of scrimmage. Um, Philip Walker's average depth of target, I believe, was 0.2. Um, so DJ Moore ended up with 180%. Uh, yes, I was just about to say that. that which is hilarious. rather ridiculous um, when you think that uh, for him to get over 100% is uh, quite ridiculous. So, So I say all that to say, the players are literally in the absolute worst situation that they can be, and they're still going, well, to not produce as well as would like. But when the situation breaks right, which could be any time as we know, that's when you start to see uh, value and production follow suit. And so right now where they are, we're seeing them bottom the barrel in terms of their floor of value for Dynasty, I would say. So there's someone you're not selling. At worst, you're holding is kind of how it goes. I mean – I understand you don't have to buy right now. Like he's not someone, you, neither of them are anyone you really have to rush out and buy because they're likely their situations aren't going to change this season. Although that's what we hope for DJ Moore. 
But mm-hmm. I don't think, the, yeah, I don't think the the situations are gonna explode and like to, like totally result in them changing course and becoming wide receiver ones. But definitely, we'll see some normalization as the season goes along and see some games with positive air yards uh, in the future. Yeah, so. and Deontay Johnson's expected fantasy points are pretty sad, actually, when you think about how many points that he's putting up. <laughs> It's better, yeah. It's it's better than his than DJ Moore's for sure because right now Deontay is at I believe sixteen seventeen expected points per game sixteen point seven versus DJ Moore at twelve point four. It's really bad. I mean, the Carolina offense uh, they do not pass well and they do not pass a lot. Yeah, and they're they're just a really slow offense, so it's rough. And so yeah, even though DJ Moore's, then it's not rough. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, uh, I think, would have closer to 25 points per game in pretty much any other offense, just because of how slow and horrible this Carolina offense is. Yeah, and part of the reason that they were throwing behind the line of scrimmage so much was because Christian McCaffrey would be there. So there is that part of uh, context, but Christian McCaffrey is literally so good, he's actually situation-proof. Because, first of all, running backs to put up like a 30% target share in a week is rather ridiculous. So when you see Christian McCaffrey on the season, head and shoulders above the next best receiving running back, he's at 24.3% uh, target share on the season, which is rather ridiculous. Like when we talk about Saquon Barkley, like, oh, yes, we like that he's, uh, he's getting all the carries. He's getting the usage. He's getting work out of the backfield, 16.6% target share. And then Christian McCaffrey is like actually a cheat code. So if if Christian McCaffrey were to get traded, like his production because of the TD rate likely taking a bit of a step forward and offensive efficiency as a whole as well as volume for someone that has the peripherals of Christian McCaffrey is actually ridiculous because Christian McCaffrey can stay on the Carolina Panthers this season and still finish as the running back one in all of fantasy football. And that's honestly well within the range of outcomes. Yeah, I was just looking, and McCaffrey's the 26th highest target share right now. There's a, there's definitely some guys below him that are pretty funny, but I think the funniest is Travis Kelsey having a lower target share than McCaffrey. Oh, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think Christian McCaffrey is an actual cheat code because of all the passes that he gets going to catch on any offense. Like, right, and those, then, in any other offense, anywhere. in any other offense, and this is, uh, this isn't a slight to him, but in any other offense, like, throwing to the running back, when the running back is Chris McCaffrey, is great, but it's not, it's not as good as throwing to uh, wide receivers and tight ends who are good at football, and Panthers don't really have many of those except for DJ Moore, and so McCaffrey's kind of their wide receiver, too. Yeah, and speaking of tight ends that catch a lot of passes, I mean, Mark Andrews is, like, when you talk about target share and we're like, yeah, for a position that doesn't generally have high target share earners, mm-hmm. and he's 26, and now obviously tight ends as a landscape get more targets than running backs. But when we talk about Christian McCaffrey, and we say he's 26 in target share, and we're, like, at a position that doesn't catch a lot of passes, well, the, the whole tight end landscape itself is uh, scarce, for production and so when you have a tight end that's second in the league in target share that's pretty ridiculous well i would say that it's pretty ridiculous kind of how the season's unfolded just looking at the leaders in target share we're gonna go down like drake london have a 32.6 percent target share third in the nfl 
That's yeah. a rookie, a tight end in second, and then CD Lamb in first. I think <laughs> it's a, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a good time to buy some Drake London and CD Lamb, as well as AJ Brown, just because. Well, for Lamb and London, uh, Lamb gets a more immediate QB upgrade, and going from Cooper Rush to Dak Prescott, this offense is going to throw the ball more. They've been a top ten passing team with Dak Prescott. And so far on the season, they're 23rd in pass attempts per game. And Atlanta, obviously, second to last with 22.8, which is historically low, not to be outdone by the Chicago Bears. But Atlanta, as well, has a historically low volume passing offense. That'll that'll, uh, improve for Drake London. If not this season, it'll improve this season for him a little bit, uh, just because sometimes they're going to have to throw more. and, but over the course of the next year, because he's obviously still only 21, it's going to get a lot better for him. And then A.J. Brown situation can get helped a lot because, not not a lot, because it is a good offense right now. It's just that Philadelphia has been winning pretty much, they have been winning every single game, and they've been winning by quite a lot in some games. And so there really hasn't been many game scripts where Philadelphia has needed to pass the ball a lot, but on early down, neutral pass frequency they actually rank uh sixth in the league which is very impressive um so this is definitely a team with great weapons it's a good passing offense and so if there's ever game scripts where philadelphia does end up trailing or in a close game we could see the we could see some a lot bigger spike weeks for aj brown and so i don't expect him to finish bottom 10 in pass attempts they could it'll be it'll be close i don't think they're going to end up being top 10 in volume but rest of the season i think you're definitely going to see more game scripts for aj brown where he just goes absolutely nuclear because right now he does have a 30 percent target share so i like you brought up the falcons and drake london and you brought him up as a buy because i actually do think as expensive as a drake london is he Mm -hmm. is a buy right now because yep. it is not you right now through six weeks in the season, you can sit here and you can talk about Justin Jefferson as a rookie, Jamar Chase as a rookie, and Drake London as a rookie, and it's not even close to ridiculous. It it absolutely belongs. Like Justin Jefferson as a rookie, a twenty four point two percent target share, ninety point five uh, PFF receiving grade, two point seven one yards per team pass attempt, two point six six yards per hour run. Absolutely like ridiculous. Jamar Chase year one, 23.1% target share, 84 PFF receiving grid, 2.63 yards per team pass attempt, and 2.51 yards per run. Now, Drake London somehow through the first six weeks, and the thing is too, well, we did see it early with Jamar Chase, but rookies you still, even as good as they are, <laughs> they don't come out week one, week two, week three, and they're banging out 30% target shares, like, like commanding targets and being efficient like that. When we talk about Drake London, 32.6% target share. That is 8% higher than Justin Jefferson and like 9% higher than uh, Jamar Chase in year one. Uh, he's got an 85.3 PFF passing or receiving grade through this uh, first six weeks that is above Jamar Chase and below Justin Jefferson's ridiculous 90.5. And the fact that he, he has a 2.23 yards per rent and yards per team pass attempt and yeah, that's below them by a little bit. But think of the offense that we're talking about. You just brought it up about Atlanta's offense. And he is putting this up. like, And we're comparing them right now 
between those two guys that it's absolutely fair and it absolutely belongs through the first six weeks. Like, that's not ridiculous. And he's wide receiver 12 on the season. Like, the two guys that we were talking about. He's not 12, is he? In key uh, trade cut, wide receiver 12. He's, oh, I think scoring. Okay. No, and then Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but obviously their situations were a little better. They were first and second dynasty wide receivers by their second season. Like, like I do think Drake London is a buy right now. Yeah, I would um, have it be Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then after that have a tier of Lamb, AJ Brown, and Drake London. And then I think out of that tier, I would take Lamb, uh, Drake London, and then uh, AJ Brown. But it's a phenomenal tier. And then you can also... Uh, include there's also potential for to have Waddle, T. Higgins, and Amon Ross St. Brown in that tier of youth. And so right now it might it's like not as uh, important right now because well it's it's there might be some teams out there where you're like pivoting more into a rebuild like you should have been doing that a couple a couple weeks ago honestly but if you haven't because I know there's some teams where I've been like slowly pivoting not selling off everyone in one week because no one's like because it's like sometimes hard to get deals done you know but you know if you're if you're looking to retool like that then you want to get rid of the you want to get rid of the more fragile assets that are older and you want to pivot into picks and young wide receivers like the guys we just mentioned oh absolutely if you are not a clear-cut um contender on your team let's say like like we're getting to the point where you know you talk about the how much higher your odds are of winning the whole thing because that's the goal of this having buys versus not having buys and to get those buys you have to be one of the two best teams in the regular season and at yeah. this point you can usually tell who's going to get the buy because you have a third game which increases your odds 50 percent um for like getting to the next round which is ri- like ridiculous like it's really hard to win as a three four five six seed um yeah, just, it's just a series of coin flips. So if you can eliminate one of those coin flips, your odds go up. Exactly. So if you're a team that has like a Tyreek Hill, a Devontae Adams, um, it, it, even a Stefan Diggs, you can absolutely flip for, well, with Diggs, you can get a bit more. So it's bad to bring into the example. But like they're above Drake London right now, and you can flip into that. And Drake London is nowhere close to a fragile asset right now. Um, like when we talk about Devontae Adams, he's going to hit 30 by the time he's playing next season. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyreek Hill, I believe, will be 29. Yeah, so. and they're going to they'll be worth a lot more in-season than they are in the off-season. And yeah. not to say, not nothing to take away from them, because I absolutely think they're uh, great oh, yes. players to have if you are contending, because right now they're producing as top five wide receivers. And just the fact that if you're in a situation where you can't afford to hold on to that bag, like if they were to have a potential injury, then it's something to look into moving off. Yes, I 100% agree. Because, like, it, let's look at Michael Thomas, for example. Um, he's going to at 30 pr- by the time he plays next season. And when he was the wide receiver one, he was he was for a little while, but I believe he was twenty seven years old at one yes. point, wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't a clear cut contender, I know like like that's what we're talking about when we talk about Stephon Diggs, like and Cooper Cup even like they're wide receiver three and four. And if you are not 
this clear cut contender, you can absolutely pull off like a haul that sets you up for a long time and gets you out of fragility or however you want to say it. Um, because right. you are in, like, just look at the season. You're one injury away from um, the value absolutely plummeting on you because then once you injured, you become injured and old and mm-hmm. the fantasy points and fantasy points uh, scoring season don't exist. I mean, that's yeah. the, like, and it's have, not, we're not trying to scare people into like, no, no, into selling everyone who's older than 28 uh, off. But it's just a, it's a team dependent thing. Like if I was, if I was um, asked to trade, or like someone was just like grade this trade, and they're like, I give, uh, like they say like they're like I give T Higgins and I get Stephon Diggs. I'd be like, yeah, I can see that T- that trade being great for both sides, depending on what your team situation is. Not to say that a hundred percent of the time I would take Higgins, or a hundred percent of the times I would take Diggs. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you know you need to push all in. You say, okay, I am a top four team in this league and in order to secure the buy which increases my championship odds greatly i need to get a player who's a top five wide receiver and that's stefan diggs yeah basically you can't be two and four right now or three and three in your middle to lower end of the pack in points scored or points four um, it's just you need to jump on that quicker because every week i mean we're not scaring like you said but it's very fragile. Like this is a very fragile game that you play. You see how quickly a team can like blow the whole thing up. And then they are one of the bottom franchise. If you would say like, you just see how quickly it can turn. And so if you have a Cooper cup, a Stefan Diggs, the best wide receivers in the game, respectively at like 29, 28 uh, years old, and you can get out of them for, let's say, a Drake Lennon that has that wide receiver one, wide receiver two upside, and you can add, I would say, a mid to late 2023 first to that. Maybe add a three. I don't, I don't think, I think you would need to do straight up, honestly. Really? To get for Drake versus Cup? Yes. Yes, I think, I think straight up, and at, at best, I think you get a second added on. Like, people are very like sensitive with future first. It's more so than trade calculators would say. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because in the trade calculator, there's no um, there's no implications. People don't care about it. Like, on key trade cut is what I'm talking about, where people don't care about, okay, oh, yes, no more future first. I'm giving it away. I'm valuating, I'm, I'm valuing this pick at, um, like, a mid-fourth rounder. That's what, um, but, like, if you're actually trying to trade, they're going to be a lot more stingy with it. So I think... That, and that's still a fine trade if you're trading away a cup to get London and a future second. I think that's yes. still great. Um, but also, I think if you wanted to get a first round, and I absolutely advocate for stacking future first as much as you can, maybe not 2023 anymore. Just, uh, yeah, you should move but 2024 is where you, where you should be targeting. Like, obviously, you'll take a 23, but heavily target the 2024 first rounders. And you can tear down from the, the cups, digs into like uh, a guy like Gary Wilson right now or Chris Olave and get a future first like that. Yeah, I think I think pivoting uh, like this sort of uh, game theory or however you put it, 
like I've seen a lot of free sells RB1, which means now you can sell them because you can't, <laughs> like, however it is, like, you can't go any higher or anything like that. Like, he is a running back one that is anti like or it's very anti-fragile right now. Um, mm-hmm. Look at Jonathan Taylor, who's RB2. His production this season hasn't been fantastic, and he's been injured for a couple weeks. And he yeah. is running, like, his price hasn't, Effect has hasn't really been affected like that because he's 23 years old coming off uh, a season where he produced uh, the peripherals and the production that he did. So mm-hmm. it's it's much different. Um, even though you're talking about running backs and you could say, well, running backs themselves are fragile, but not in the case of like Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor. Like unless you're talking about pivoting off them, Javon, Like unless you're talking you have- about Javante, that's like the worst case scenario, and that's very rare. Yeah, but even him, yeah, he's. Like, let me look on, I guess, keep trade cut or something like he's that. He's 48th right now in Superflex, so he's still in the fourth round, just barely. Oh, yes. And See, I think that's the thing. And that's, over the course of the next... That's a major injury. Right, that's a major injury. And his was, like, a bad ACL tear. And his was during the season, etc. I was like, worst-case scenario for value. And he's still in the fourth round, and I think he'll end up in the third round um, by the non-point scoring season. By the time people don't care about points, Javante's going to be a third-rounder. So I'll ask you this: um, What do you think about like uh, Kenneth Walker right now? Like uh, Kenneth uh, Walker, Flexi's twenty fourth on Q trade cut. So. Yeah, no, it's a definite, definitely looking uh, to pivot off Kenneth Walker. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I called him. Uh, I was like, "Don't buy him," uh, but I guess it's looking like maybe you should have just for the value <laughs> gains, the way that uh, Drew was talking about. So I'll. Um, I'll, uh, as Jacob would say, I'll, I'll bend the knee to Drew there. But he would agree with me. Jacob would agree with me. Everyone in the Bulletproof Discord would agree with me when I say now is the time to look at shopping Kenneth Walker to uh, cash out because his, like, I, I still have the uh, concerns. And, and this is like, I'm going to sound like an old man screaming at the clouds, but still have the concerns about his overall upside with his receiving work because a guy uh, like him. Last week, he had, I believe, 92% of his team's carries, and he only played on 55% of the third downs. And so it's not the ideal receiving usage. I called him uh, on the Dynasty Trade Calculator pod and also on Twitter. I called him semi-chub because that's basically what his uh, profile looks like in terms of we have an idea that he's a really good runner, and that's going to help him score fantasy points. But... His ceiling is going to be capped because he's not going to be maximizing his receiving usage. Yeah, you're talking more of like a more likely ceiling when you call him a semi chub, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, because that is more of a ceiling outcome for Kenneth Walker. And he has looked or been good on the ground. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the thing is, I think it's also fair to say for those who are like, t- like we just talked about age, and now we're talking about how Kenneth Walker at running back five at his 22 years old or 21 years old right now, it's a different situation because you can't pivot off of the the prospect profile just yet through four weeks, especially when he's coming off a week where he, it was his first game without Rashad Penny in a role where he can get 92% of the carries. Um, I mean, the usage was strong. Like he's, he's a fringe running back one in my head, probably at the time being. But running back five is a bit excessive. 
Yeah, it's You're talking uh, about someone who's still unlikely to catch passes. Like he's, yeah. he's if you can pivot off of him for like if you can add to him to get a top quarterback, which are the best throws of value and the best advantage, then I mean that's the goal. So I would be absolutely fine like going uh adding to him to get like a Kyler Murray who's down right now or like a Deshaun Watson type. I don't know. I don't think you can get I, I don't think you're ever gonna touch the Lamar tier or like the Mahomes tier, but Kyler Murray right now is a fantastic buy. Yes, absolutely. I would be buying all of the Kyler Murray right now. He's yeah. someone who right now he has twenty one not sorry, not twenty twenty seven expected points per game. Uh which is absolutely insane. Which it's it's terrific. And he has had his passing volume boiled a lot by some situations where right now they have 43 pass attempts per game. I'm not sure. I don't think they'll end up there, but I think they are going to be a very pass-happy team as well as what uh, Kyler adds on the ground. He yeah, was an efficient quarterback last year. He's obviously not like an elite quarterback in terms of passing, but he is a good quarterback. and As well as what he offers on the ground, you're going to be looking at a top-five quarterback. His value right now, be right now he's far, sixth. Too far he, off the offense has been, uh, yeah, the offense has been absolutely awful, and uh, he's been getting no help in that regard. And his his head coach and play caller is still uh, offensive war criminal in terms of calling plays, and he's still sixth in points per game right now. Yeah, uh, and we have a question County, though from he Chris. Just, he just acquired uh, Robbie Anderson, which means. It's it's to the moon for Kyler Murray. Yeah, you, I mean, you got Robbie there, <laughs> adding back DeAndre Hopkins, which is going to help this offense a lot. Marquise Brown injury definitely hurts, but he'll be back later this season. So it's always a great time to buy some elite quarterbacks with Konami ability and top three upside like Kyler Murray. But Chris, what's uh, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Hope we're doing well. Um, I wanted to know what you guys' uh, value range was on Deontay Johnson right now. I know he's kind of, you know, been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. So I was curious what y'all's value was on him. I recently just got a trade offer I kind of had to take for him. So I'm just curious what you guys think on his value right now. Yeah, what's the offer? So I'm actually a uh, first year, uh, first year team uh, rebuilding, obviously trying to scrap the team apart. I end up getting an offer for Deontay and a 23 first for Aaron Rodgers and Raheem Mostart. So just clicked accept on that and kind of mm-hmm. had to let that one sit there. <laughs> That's terrific. <laughs> I would take the 23 first over Rodgers and Mostert put together. So without even having Deontay in that. So that's a great yeah, deal. Yeah, a free, a free Deontay Johnson. but Basically, uh, basically, yeah. Can't go wrong. That sounds like a great deal to me. Um, right now for Deontay, I would be valuing, valuing him around a mid to late 24 first right now probably closer to late just because i don't think that you have as much room for uh value gains like if deontay johnson this year probably not the year for difference making production but if he hits a wide receiver one season at 27 he's not going to shoot up into being inside the top like 30 players on uh in superflex startup value and so I like Deontay, and I'm holding him right now, but a late 24 first is probably about right. And that's yeah, me being he, pessimistic a bit. a hold right now. Yeah, um, I'm being a bit pessimistic just because the market doesn't love him, and they'll never tr- they're, not, they're never going to have him valued super highly. No, like a, but... 
Florin is. He's someone who's like you won't have to rush to buy because, like you said, the situation isn't likely getting too much better this season. Although the production will at least likely be better than what it is because of the difference between product, uh, expected mm-hmm. production and current production right now. Yes. So it'll at least be better than it is if you're like worried that this is who Deontay Johnson now is. Mm-hmm. He'll, it'll he'll bounce back from how bad it's been in terms of just fantasy output, but he's not someone you're likely going to have to just absolutely rush out and buy before that happens because he's someone that, like Akash said, the market's never truly uh, loved him or valued him super high or anything. And it's not as if he's running into the best situation right now, as we've seen, and it's not going to get too much better. Although the production won't be what it is. Yes, that's absolutely right. I want to, I think Clark wanted to say something. So, I'll let him say something, and then I we can pivot into a bit of a different segment. How's it going, guys? What's up, man? Oh, I'm in a uh, one-person keeper league, and so far I'm doing good at five and one. Uh, but I'm looking to the playoffs, wanting to make sure I can have my lineup good there. Uh, I'm wanting to get Brees Hall, the one and five owner, has him right now. Uh, do you think sending? Uh, Kyle Pitts and uh, T. Higgins, is that too much to get a Brees Hall in return in the Five Flicks League? Yeah, that's that's too much. In a one-keeper league? Yeah, yeah, we just get to keep uh, one player uh, for three seasons after we draft him each year. It's a 12-team league. So is Brees Hall the guy you're targeting to keep? But you said you're 5-1, and so I wouldn't move off that production either way. Yeah, I'm trying to get uh, Brees Hall out of the deal. But, you know, I, I just didn't want to lowball him because sometimes, you know, when I lowball him, then I just get ghosted. So I figured that might be a little too much, but I just didn't want to offer, you know, too little and not hear anything back either. No, I don't think you have to offer that much. Uh, it is closer to me than it would be in Dynasty just because you can only keep one of them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm definitely interested in it just because the production from Kyle Pitts isn't going to be anything difference making this year. And Tiggins, he's been hurt, but I expect him to be a low-end wide receiver one when he is healthy. Um, but I don't, I don't think I would give that up just because it's tough. That's a, I, I, I'm so bad at keep your questions just because it's a, you, you have to kind of look at market value, but also it doesn't really matter just because you can only keep one player, and so I would, I would say don't do that. You can probably get him for cheaper. But I, I like the idea just because in a keeper league like that, Brees Hall is going to be an absolute difference maker year to year just because you acquire him, keep him for the next three years, and he's just going to always be like valued at a top five running back in every single redraft uh, league. So Yeah, that, that sounds like a league where... He's like a top five pick at, if, at like, the end of the season. Year. At the end of the season where if you're not doing so hot or near whenever you can trade... I would be, if you aren't doing so hot, I would look to basically acquire the best asset you as possibly can. Um, right, yeah. You go to the, go to the uh, like, whoever's in, like, the championship if you don't have a trade deadline. And you just, like, I'll give you, like, half my team for your best player, and then you can just, like, absolutely stack your lineup, and I get to have, like, this guy who's going to be drafted third overall in redraft league next year. And that's, yeah, exactly. That's how you play that kind of league. But uh, so, uh, do you want to pivot to uh, little Kyle Pitts? I was gonna actually pivot to 
different rookie wide receivers. And right now, as we're going to be in week seven, when do our, uh, when do our, our, uh, what's the, what's the metaphor from Cinderella? Yeah. When do our, when do our rookies, our shiny new rookies turn into Terrace Marshall pumpkins? (laughs) Um, well, I would say things don't look good for Scott Moore right now. Uh, but as a class overall, it's actually been pretty impressive what the class has mm-hmm. pumped out so far. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about Sky Moore. I'm thinking about um, not so much Traylon because he's injured right now. But I'm thinking about Sky Moore and David Bell. Yes, yes, David Bell. Sadly, the prince that was promised. Yes, uh, the prince sadly. that runs. The prince that runs fifty uh, percent of the routes and has. 0.7 yards per out run and less than a 10% targets per out run. Yeah, sadly, he was just a couple picks away from uh, <laughs> being a more so clear day three guy and not this uh, promised prince, right? <laughs> the two picks away difference between uh, elite tier and bust tier. God, you gotta love it. Yeah, I think, I think, sad. I think maybe the uh, NFL was very close to being right. And the Cle- Cleveland taking him a couple picks earlier than he did totally, uh, totally fucked us over. I don't know. Like right now, I'd not be selling low on David Bell just because there's no market for him. But yeah, that's kind of the he's looking. With Sky, he's, right? he's, what? That's the difference with Sky is that unlike David Bell, you're not just holding because there's just not much value there in return. Yeah, like Sky, there's some. Uh, to be yeah, had, I would say there is something to be had right now. Sky, he's actually he's uh, wide receiver forty four right now. It's it's not the uh, it's not the lowest. Like there's some guys around him who have promise and score points, like Jacoby Myers, Wondell Robinson, uh, Brandon Cooks, Calvin Ridley. But I don't know. I would continue to stand pat on sky more just because the route participations it's way lower on the season it's a 25 percent targets per out run is 24 percent and yards per run is 2.2 and that's obviously small sample but sky more should get more opportunities as the season goes on he's like already fighting miko hardman for wide receiver three duties he's already passed justin watson so he's better off right now than he was in weeks two and three. Uh, so I would not be panicking on him. But, uh, I mean, there's some guys that you could sell for him. Like, if I had an Alan Lazard and he's eventually going to turn back into a pumpkin, then I would sell Lazard for Sky more in a heartbeat. Yes. But, you know, the injuries happen. If one of these three wide receivers who play ahead of him was to get hurt, Sky Moore's role expands, and then you really only need like a couple big games and the allure of Patrick Mahomes for Skymore to have phenomenal value insulation. Uh, would you rather be holding Skymore or Wandell? Uh, uh, Sky. Well, what, what, like what, who would I rather have? Yeah, straight up. Straight up. That's tough. Um, I would lean Sky. It's close though. I really like Wandale and his role is a lot more certain to expand over the next couple weeks, in my opinion. Like, not not 
just because of talent. Cause I think they both have have a signal of talent from their rookie uh, prospect profiles, but the situation for Dale is just a lot better right now where he's basically the de facto wide receiver one, and he's going to get more routes and more opportunities as he's uh, worked in. And that'll, that'll, that's a bit more certain, but Sky Moore, the upside playing in the Mahomes offense, like it's a lot easier to access that difference making production at a very young age. If he can earn full routes and he doesn't even have to be like a 30% target share type of guy over the next couple of years to give you top production. Like he can be, he can be like, have like a 20, 23 to 26% target share and give you wide receiver one seasons. If his role continues to expand, if he is good at football, then you, yeah, you don't have to ask a lot of him to give you that kind of production. In terms of what you're saying there, it, it's hard to say that there's been too many rookies or rookie wide receivers that have ended up in a more uh, suitable situation for fantasy points. So, yeah. the, the combination absolutely. of his prospect profile as well as his situation was absolutely terrific. And I wouldn't be moving off of that so far just because of his route participation, because the situation he's in is one that's not the most conducive to routes, but on the routes he has been running, he has been good at football. And so, I still like Sky Moore. Uh, I would definitely, I would definitely hold on to him. He's risk it for the biscuit. I would flip him for Elijah Moore still. So. I would not. Really, you would? I would. I would not. I, Elijah I, has been dreadful this season. Like he's gonna have better days ahead of him. And I'm absolutely in favor of trying to get a little Elijah Moore on the low. But so far this season, I mean, he's running all the routes pretty much. Eighty-three percent route participation. But he has a 13% target share and one yards per out run. Like, it has not been great. And this offense has also been passing the ball at, like, an Atlanta Falcons rate when Zach Wilson is playing. So, it's just it's just a mixture of bad play. Not to say that he's bad at football or he'll continue to be bad, but so far this season he has not been good, as well as a bad situation that's really nuking his value and his production right now. I would rather have Sky Moore. Hmm. I, I, I mean, what uh, Elijah Moore did as a rookie is... Mm-hmm. It was great, yes. Yeah, he was really good. Um, and we've had a really weird stretch here, I would say, where it has basically just been kind of unprecedented. And so Eileen Moore just... he He's not going to be as good or he won't hit the ceiling outcome that we had hoped he would. But his range of outcomes were still solid. Like with Sky Moore, I worry that like we haven't seen the value there, and maybe it could because you say he's in that situation. And I guess we need to see the routes. But at what point do you is the point where you're like he's not getting the because we know that some of them don't get the routes or they don't earn them or um, yeah, routes are given. Okay, I'm gonna stand on my Sanderson pedestal. Routes are routes are given. Um, Especially in this scenario where it's not like players who are bad are playing over him the way that Terrace Marshall was a game day scratch sometime last week because they wanted to get Shai Smith in there. That's not happening. I mean, we don't love Miko Hardman or Mark Valdez Scanling for fantasy points, but they are NFL wide receivers. And Miko has experience in this on this team in this scheme. MVS has his contract, so obviously they're gonna play him. Same with Juju Smith Schuster. Like the excuses for Sky Moore 
I wouldn't even say excuses because that has such a negative connotation, but the context around his role so far absolutely makes sense. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't be totally bailing on my Sky. I think I have two Sky Moore shares, and I'm still holding them. But yeah. with uh, Elijah Moore, I still, I don't know. I feel like it's a lot closer than just saying that uh, you just wouldn't flip for an Elijah. I just don't think Elijah. We can totally pivot off the rookie profile just yet. Um, but he had a good rookie season. Like, had, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying that he's. This is he's bad. He's going to be a 13 percent target share for for his career and never get a second contract. Uh, but I don't expect him to finish inside the top 36 of wide receivers this season. And so, like just well, looking at if your value, I don't. You're not going to have production this year, and you're not going to have much end of year value with uh, Elijah. Yeah, versus Sky, who can absolutely. Because Sky needs to do a lot less, and he's in a lot better of a situation um, to gain value and have a promise and have promise for his future. Like if both these guys finish the season with like eleven points per game and like a seventeen percent target share or something like that, just hypothetically, you're going to prefer Sky more. Yeah, absolutely. And so where they at right now, where they're at right now, um, and this is kind of meta, but like just looking at their production so far, like there's no way, there's almost no way that Elijah ends up inside the top 24 or even the top 36 in fantasy points per game. Like maybe he could, but just the way this, this offense looks right now, the volume they have as well as the role he has and what he's been doing so far, he's not going to get there. So when people are making, so when people are looking back at this season, they look at the full sample, they're going to be like, okay, this guy finished like 50th in fantasy points per game. He's going to be outside my top like 36 in uh, in wide receiver rankings, even though I liked him after his rookie season, like a Ayuk level, but not like Ayuk because Elijah Moore just isn't earning the targets right now. But like an Ayuk level of production. Yes, yeah, that's with fair. even less promise after his rookie season. Like Elijah, the it's not like panic sell him, but I just don't see the. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to hold on as hard to He's, his rookie profile. Elijah is certainly someone that I'm not like looking out to buy right now at all. No. It's been absolutely terrible. Like We're talking about unprecedented. Like I ran his range of outcomes on year two just based off a six-week sample size, which is something that you should probably never do. <laughs> yeah. Because but but, he has like six only, points per game right now, so it's going to be bad. Yeah, and it just came up with Preston Williams, which <laughs> isn't <laughs> terrific in any way. But uh, it obviously won't finish like that or anything. But okay, we have a Drew cameo. Sad. Drew Sky Moore versus Elijah Less in Dynasty. Who do you prefer? Is he there? Hello. Can you, say, say Can you hear me now? Hello. Yes. Hi. So uh, Sky Moore versus Elijah Moore. Yeah. Um. Why not both? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to pick me and are arguing. Uh, I think like we just recorded the podcast last night, Jacob and I, and he made a good point that Eli or that uh, Sky Moore is getting like a really high target rate, which yes. you know builds well for his future. And uh, I think that's kind of exciting, especially because he's tied to Patrick Mahomes. So I'm probably going to go with Sky Moore just because if Sky Moore hits, it's in a Patrick Mahomes offense, and if Elijah Moore hits in a Zach Wilson offense. And I just 
probably rather take the Patrick Mahomes one if I think they're both like equally kind of good. And I do think they're both equally kind of good. So that's where I'm at. I win. Let's go. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Kind of just situation. If, if one we call the hits, boss right? man, he says I win. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, there's there's really no like Terrace Marshall of this class. Like this class has been impressive too. David Bell. Well, Terrace Marshall was a second round pick with a lot more um, value and hope and from the consensus public. Like David Bell was certainly someone that was much, huh? Christian Watson. Christian Watson. Maybe. That's fairer. Everyone else forgets about Christian Watson because, I don't know, you you only remember the guys that you see uh, actually play and do good, so... You know, no, you know, actually, I, I, I forget Christian Watson I forget on red zone a couple times because Aaron Rodgers was frustrated about. Drops. He had a rushing touchdown. Yeah, important right? drops. Yeah, I think he had a rushing touchdown once. That was fun. Right now, he has one yards per out run, but a twenty-one percent target rate. So, love that dichotomy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like him as a prospect. So I'm not going to be like, yeah, go buy Christian Watson. Yeah, exactly. And that's the difference, right? With the target rate, because one of them I know, we love to hang on to our profile. Yes. He's run 52 routes so far, which is... um, And he's missed games, right? So, yeah, he's played four games and has uh, as many routes as Sammy Watkins, who got hurt in week two. So, that's not great. Yeah, I think it's funny that actually flipping Christian Watson for Romeo Dubs might actually end up... I know. I was... Like Todd like, H who did that and I was and he was like, I'm gonna do it just to test yes, it. I think Nelly was that the that Nelly with Nelly, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Michael Nelson is Which I and was so, on that league last year. Gotta throw that in there. Okay. That's <laughs> all. But I I was on the side of I would take Watson because of uh I I was just being a draft capital truther. And right now, I would definitely take Dubs. Yes, I would take Dubs right now for sure, especially for what we've seen. At the time, I was with you and that you shouldn't trade a even with how you've heard of camp and that you don't like the prospect profile of the second-round mm-hmm. pick, you yeah. still should side with the second-round pick um, because while well, the odds of pitting are still favoring, well, were favoring Christian Watson, but from what we've seen and from basically what we've heard too, from Romeo Dubs, it's looked pretty good so far. For I think it's pronounced Dubs, right? right? Yes, it is Dubs. Sorry, but it's just so much sorry. more fun to say Dubs for a yes. Dubs. Yes, I'm saying that all off season. I haven't corrected myself, so I, I'm not going to correct you. Dubs is way more fun to say. Yeah, Absolutely. I wish. Yeah, because there's a Joshua Dobbs, so that one I always say Dobbs. It just looked different. Yeah. Um, what other rookie wide receivers are doing things? Alec Pierce. Uh, as Cam Not Sober would say, white Chris Godwin. Like, if you look at his picture on Sleeper, that's white Chris Godwin. Right now on the season, trying to find him. There he is. He has a 14% target share on the 61% route participation, so 19% target rate and 1.8 yards per run. It's all right. It's, it's, it's okay. I... I'm not as high on him as a prospect, and right now he's definitely creeping up the rankings of like keep your cut, and so I, I would not look to sell him just because there is upside there. But I would uh, not be opposed if someone came knocking, like if someone came knocking with like 
I don't know, like, there's there's not a lot of great names around him in terms of Smash buys, but like a, a DJ Less, you can pivot off that. It's great. I'd like that, definitely. Yeah, that's fair. Jacob Myers. When, when talking about rookie uh, wide receivers, you had the perfect segue into talking about uh, draft capital because you walked backwards into, didn't you walk backwards quite into a lot of Tyquan Thornton shares? Uh, I did. And, and yeah. through the first, I mean, for being, he was a second round uh, rook, or NFL draft pick and a fourth round rookie draft pick, which I know. That you, like, you can't pass should've... that up. Even if he, like, exactly. that, even if that screams roster clogger, I don't care. I'm going to draft capital truther for just one minute. Like, his profile, his production profile was not like atrocious atrocious but it was pretty pretty bad um but on the season he has and he has an all right role i mean like nelson well, Aguilar yeah, was out last week i the think first game so. where we actually saw him get a little bit of run like his, yeah he had a, only played two touchdown weeks. and a rushing touchdown and right now he's uh because of like two touchdowns in two games he's like uh 32nd in points per game obviously not gonna hold but his usage has been uh Interesting so yeah, far. Like, it was, the first, it was the first game that we saw him above where he ran more than 20 routes. Uh, his first game he played in Detroit. He just ran 14 routes, so there's nothing really too much to take away from that. But, I mean, there's not too much to take away from it at all because it's, again, just a one, two-game sample size. But for someone that we know in terms of the NFL was a second-round pick, um, and it's much different because, well, he was basically free. So I, I did there should have been a lot of Taekwondo Thorne shares picked up, so I think the early return is totally solid. Yes. Um, the highest player right now, I think, is pretty fraudulent amongst the rookie wide receivers, is Jahan Dotson at wide receiver 26 right now, next to Bateman, Burke, Deontay, Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, uh, sporting a 12% target share, uh, I believe, through four weeks because he got hurt in week four uh but he, he still has run a bunch of routes like he didn't get hurt in the beginning of a game or something and skew his sample he still has he only has a 30 percent target rate and 0.9 yards per route run on a 84 percent route participation but he's caught like four touchdowns in four games i believe and so his uh points are definitely higher way higher than his usage and so he'd be someone i'm looking to uh float some some uh, offers where I'm selling him and pivoting to some guys who I think are, are better. Honestly, sort of like a Rondale Moore situation we saw last year where he had like a couple broken plays in the first two weeks and he was being valued at 23 first off of two weeks. And J- Dotson's a similar thing to that where you don't have the uh, highest confidence in his prospect profile. Uh, it's not with- not without some something there because he was a first rounder um but with his uh age 20 breakout and uh senior declare aren't like checking every single box and so when he's being valued at wide receiver 26 right now with a role that isn't great through the first couple weeks even though he is running a route on more than 80 percent of their passing plays or 80 percent of their dropbacks then he'd be looking to sell. He'd see someone I'm looking to pivot off of right now. Just I think it's good process, even if you like him, just ship him out right now. Yeah, Jahan Dotson's a pretty easy sell right now. I would say like the peripherals just do not match value or the expected points per game. Um, mm-hmm. So oh yes, that's expected a, points per game. 
Love it. It's 10. A- Yikes. Yeah, it's much. He's 10th in expected points per game because I think he has, like, a, he has a lot of end zone targets. Like, and deep targets. Deep targets and end zone targets, like, more than one a game, I believe. I, I think which is a, which is very unsustainable, and we're talking yeah. about a four-week sample size, which is also kind of the point. Like, yes, deep targets seven, red zone targets three, targets per game played at five point five, and um, David, who is not David Gatteri, but David, uh, who's one of the patrons for, is has um, looked and said and saw that. Out of wide receivers in the top 36, the average points per target is 1.84. And with Dotson's uh, targets per game right now, 5.5, that's just 10 points per game. His role is his role is not, not great for fantasy points. Like It could increase just because of he has been playing well on, in terms of he's caught touchdowns and coaches like that, I guess. So... He's probably he won't finish the season on a twelve percent target share, but I mean he could. But I would expect him to go up at least a little bit, but not as much to sustain where his value is right now. Yeah, oh, man, I why did Luke leave? I was going to invite him up. I'm pretty sure a twenty percent touchdown rate is what we uh, solidify as <laughs> the Robert Tunyons of the world, which is very unsustainable. Yes, um, Jahan, Jahan Tunyon. John That's a, a great nickname. Um, and then another rookie wide receiver, uh, George Pickett. Oh, Chris we can Olave. talk. I was working my way up, but we can talk about Olave right now, who I think yeah, is a fantastic buy. Very impressive, like very impressive. Yes, twenty four percent target share on the season. I mean, I would if because hmm, I think he's valued around Drake London, and Drake London is someone that I would much rather have. Yes, um, but I would still be interested in in buying Olave right now. Not as strongly as I would Garrett Wilson just because Olave is uh, higher. He's, he's valued higher, but it's it's that tier of these all three of those guys, Olave, London, and Wilson, are all buys for me just because of their youth and upside. Right now, Olave yeah. 24% target share, and that's with leaving a game early because of a concussion. And so his targets per out run is 28% despite the fact that he has an ADOT of 17.7 like he had that's that stat, a, he had that stat where he had like 350 air yards in a single game which is yes but it's, it's also he's had a consistently like uh like his sample yeah. he's had a consistently high ADOT like he's had a 24.6 19.4 15.0 he's never had a game below 12 like we <laughs> that's, were talking about that's crazy like like we like to call them the good old Mike Williams, except that he's earning a lot of targets doing it. Like his As area share five comes games. out to like thirty eight point eight percent. Like he has a he's putting up basically hundred and fifty air yards per game, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And he's been productive as well. Like right now he's uh seventeenth in points per game, which is terrific. He has missed a game, but right now his Weighted opportunity rating is 0.64. I don't know where that ranks, and which that's something where people he, don't have as much of a reference of how good that stat is. But right now, his weighted opportunity rating is right next to guys like, uh, like Sutton, Jacoby Myers, Tyler Lockett, Devonta Smith, DJ Moore, and Deontay Johnson being here makes me sad. But it just speaks to their usage. But right now, Chris Olave as a rookie is being used in a phenomenal 
uh, is being used a lot. And so I'm very impressed with him, as well as Garrett Wilson right now. Well, Chris Olave is uh, doing exactly what you have to do to get fantasy points and be productive in a not very good um, situation. You have to get a lot of uh, air yards, but he's doing it in high volume, which is what's ridiculous. Like the reason that like we talk about average depth of target and stuff as a stat and like Mike Williams is we say that it's hard to earn targets when you have such a far depth of target down the field, which is why it's so impressive that Chris Olave is earning so many targets and consistent or has been consistently um, earning them downfield at a high yeah. volume, which is and that's just, yeah, and that just speaks to his role where they're using him in a multitude of ways, where they're running him on a lot of routes that are very conducive to fantasy points, so short and inter- intermediate routes. It's not just deep targets of like thirty plus bombs, obviously, but they are giving him those opportunities, which lead to big splash plays where they're like, yeah, this guy can beat guys deep, and so we're gonna chuck it up to him multiple times per game. To the effect where he has, uh, where is it? He in four games, I believe, he has fourteen deep targets. That's absolutely insane. Um, but it just speaks to his role of where it's like a, a beautiful combination of valuable targets down the field as well as targets that are easier to convert into fantasy points, which gives him a high ceiling on a weekly basis as well as a pretty good floor. And it's just a great recipe for production. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's that's how you get production in a bad situation or not a great situation. Um, aside from getting touchdowns. Yeah, he's a he's in that Tyree Kill role, basically. I mean, he's not Tyree Kill, obviously, but that's what that's what the Tyree Kill role is, where he's had like a Tyree Kill as a target share has been like twenty at worst and. 25 at best in multiple years throughout Kansas City and then you have that type of role uh, but that's also where he's getting a bunch of deep targets as well that he can just convert into big plays and fantasy points and that's what made him a top five wide receiver and he's also just a top five wide receiver because he's immensely talented at every aspect of the game remains to be seen whether Chris Olave can reach those type of heights but I would, I would absolutely uh, take a shot on that kind of upside. Well, and it's not to say that I'm comping him to Tyree Kill. It's just that the usage gives him a very high ceiling. Well, it's not just that you're uh, like taking the shot on Chris Olave. There's he's pretty safe asset right now. Yeah, especially like what he's done and where his value currently is through six weeks of his or. Uh, I need more Chris Olave. I don't have any Chris Olave. I need to go buy yes. some. <laughs> this is your. This is your. Uh, this is my moment. You need to it's gonna be hard buying some Chris Olave. It's gonna be hard. I don't like anyone who holds them, who has them right now. Is not gonna be selling easily. But, yeah, the thing that like you brought up earlier about like trade calculators and stuff like that is that you sadly have to realize that the people that are holding those players themselves are going to be valuing them likely more than where they are and are less motivated to move off them. They don't have this plethora of players and they're choosing, um, or not plethora, but the entire um, population of players like yeah. uh, Keep Trade Cut or a Dynasty Calculator or anything of that sort is, where you can have all of the players and at your will decide which one you would rather have um, because yeah, and the ones the- you have you will always be valuing more than... Right, because and this is something that's more like psychology based, which isn't something I, I talk about a lot, but from my own experience and as well as 
um, just seeing what other people do is that a lot of times when you're trying to make a trade and it's relatively even, people are like, I don't know how I feel about this, so I'm just not going to do anything because if I don't do anything, I won't feel like I can make a mistake. And yes, so that leads like to a lot of people holding on. And wanting that extra, like they do, people don't want uh, valued trades, like fairly valued trades, honestly. Right. And that's why if you're trying to get trades done, and this is something that uh, Jacob has talked about, is if you're going to try to make get trades done, the way that he plays in, I believe, 40-plus leagues, 41 off the top of my head, and the, and the way he continues to win in them is he is active and he trades on other people's terms. He's not going to haggle over future thirds and all that. He's just going to be like, I send a deal, you send a counter, and I accept it. Even if I'm, even if I'm losing like five percent market value, I'm. He's like he's a volume trader, and so I believe, and you can go to him if you want to confirm. But I believe this. That's how he trades. Where he's just like, yeah, I need to do this because it fits my team. I'm not going to sit around and wait for the perfect deal. I'm just going to deal on other people's terms because that's how you be efficient. Yeah, that's actually really good right there. That's something um, I, I need to incorporate more into what I do. Because what like people love the buy lows and the sell highs, like people always love those. But buying uh, buying high and selling low is actually a very formidable strategy in Dynasty and should be used, especially when you have a portfolio of players, honestly. Right, yeah. And it's something that not a lot of people do because a lot of people they don't like to uh and, and more so towards solo people do not like to solo and that's why like that's part of the reason we're like yeah hold on to dj Moore and deontay johnson it, it can't get worse you know there's no point in selling low it could get worse for their market value like if they don't do anything for the rest of the season they lose like more and more of their allure yeah the value could continue to go down just because you're not getting the production out of them and they're going to be like 20 26 27 years old it's not ideal but you know yes 100 percent. maybe i just want to hold on and and continue to love deontay johnson okay let me live <laughs> well that's what you're doing with deontay johnson that's what i am doing holding. yes that's right i you know just praying he's not terry mclaurin but right now terry mclaurin has not been the terry mclaurin of old where he only has a 15 percent target share i should say yes no to, well, so, the difference between like a Terry McLaurin and an Elijah Moore is that we have a larger sample size with t- Terry McLaurin, and we have a longer like history of value. Yeah, but also, uh, Terry McLaurin is is uh, his days of being said like right now he's uh, thirty five amongst wide receivers. His days of being in the top twenty four are basically over. Uh, he is, yeah, unless he turns into a Cooper Cup, that's which isn't going to happen. Or his his situation becomes one of the league's better, which it isn't. No, 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 Sadly. because it's the it's the Commanders, and they're not even starting Sam Howell. Okay, well, no, new I'm discussion. Worried about the front office. Who should the Falcons start? And this will determine if I uh, keep you on the show or not. It's going to be the last section because we are at an hour, but very quickly. Who should the Falcons start? And then you say your answer, and I'm going to go on a long rant. About Wait, what do, you, what do you mean? Like quarterback? Yes. Oh, why is Obviously. this a question? Why is this a question? Because the, the people need to know what you think. Uh, Marcus Mariota? Get out of my show. <laughs> yeah, the, no. The absolute right answer <laughs> is Desmond Ritter. You start, if you're the Falcons, you start Desmond Ritter. And it's twofold, yes, and we can argue about it. 
But well, no, Desmond you don't Ritter have to argue about it because with the the point of a bridge quarterback is that you don't want to be using a bridge quarterback on their um, second or like their end of their contract. Essentially, you don't want to use a bridge quarterback through their quarterback or through their deal. That's not the point of a bridge quarterback. And the other point is that you would prefer to have like a first round quarterback, like something that you could try out there. But Desmond Ritter is still a third round quarterback, and you have to see what you have. Um, I think there's – I'm not saying that they have to start him right now, but within the next few weeks especially, you know, just because know, we know who Marcus Mariota is, you have to just take a shot to see what you have um, essentially. Okay. So you do agree with me on Desmond Ritter? Yeah, but it's not – You were like joking? Like absolutely start week seven. Okay. I, was, I wasn't sure because I believe, and I'm not sure if his opinions changed since the beginning of the year. But Drew still believes that Desmond Ritter should be the starter, which is absolutely unequivocally wrong. Desmond, I think you, you said that wrong because he's yes, been I, Marcus I think, Mariota. My bad, yes. Marcus, he thinks that Marcus Mariota should be the starter, which is definitely wrong. Um, Desmond Ritter undoubtedly has the upside of the unknown, which we are chasing because if Desmond Ritter was to start and on the 5% chance that he's actually good, you have a third-round rookie quarterback, uh, Third round contract, which helps you build a Super Bowl team, and on the very high chance that he isn't good, you end up with a top pick in the NFL draft, and you get a quarterback who is actually good, which is not what Marcus Mariota is, and that's probably not what Desmond Ritter is. It's a win-win. Yes, but in terms starting Marcus Mariota is basically a lose-lose because you don't see what you have in Desmond Ritter, and you don't the NFL and like how they um, like how it is approached. I would say that if like they should start Desmond Ritter, I'm in, in agreement with you. But yeah. it should still be Marcus Mariota for a while because what you don't want is I agree Desmond Ritter could be good. There's that five percent chance that he's yeah. uh, good and he's not Kellen Mond. Um, yeah. But the, the the problem is if he is terrible, which is a very real possibility, you don't want to get stuck with a Desmond Ritter out there for a remainder of like thirteen or like Why not? ten weeks Why not? because because of the players in the locker room it's apparent if you have a bad quarterback that you are purposely playing in terms of tanking you're just setting up like in terms of just players in an nfl and an environment and a culture and stuff like that you okay can't get i do agree with that that if the falcons Desmond benched, Ritter, who like the players wouldn't be blind if he is bad and he is much worse than marcus Mariota, that you aren't actually putting your best foot forward mm-hmm. um so i do he, agree with you that the Falcons, if they benched Marcus Mariota tomorrow, would have a negative reaction from the players and even from some fans who who uh, believe that we can like. And I say we because I'm a Falcons fan, but believe that the Falcons can like get a seventh seed and try to do something. They absolutely cannot contend at all, which is why they should be tanking. But from a player perspective, yes, you can't bench Marcus Mariota tomorrow, but. You know, if they go out and they lose to the Bengals or something, like, yeah, you can bench them, absolutely. But you can't do it off of a, an upset win against San Francisco, I guess. So I give some credence well, to what and, you're And if, you were, if it was more fantasy football-based, you would have been, like, if in that situation, you would have just been playing Desmond Ritter from the start because you should take the approach in terms of, like, okay, well, it's going to be last and, like, or see what we have, essentially. Because right. if... If, if there is something there, like what you're saying, like if there's something there, 
then okay you figured it out or you hope that you figured it out and you didn't have to spend much draft capital to do it really which would be the nice part and you have to see what you have because third round still isn't too bad but like and then the alternative being that you if it doesn't work out that it is bad and you end up being able to replace with a high compensation pick Um, so i would agree with that in terms of just raw looking at it because we know that marcus mariota is like not, not a good. franchise quarterback, yes. But, but he has a higher is, median. In terms that's why of, they're it is more, Yes, the median outcome is much more likely that Marcus Mariota will help win football games better than Desmond Ritter will. That's why he's starting, and that's why they're 3-3. Three and three. They, they yes. should not be 3-3. Three and three. If I was the Falcons and I was cold-hearted and didn't care about the locker room and I just wanted to build the best team I could, I would hope that we were 0-6, but we are not. <laughs> yes. So that is well, that's the last segment. Uh, well, then... Yes, if there's a last segment, I can just I'm say that stop we, it is the very same situation for the Seattle Seahawks. They're also 3-3, three and three, and I would prefer in the same stance that you're saying that we are able to get a like franchise quarterback in the high conversation. Right, but you're not going to start Drew Locke because we know Drew Locke is bad. Yes, exactly. It's not like the same exact situation. Not the exact 3-3, three three, I wish they were 0-6 because the ceiling for this team this year is not high at all. And so... When you have that, just like your approach to fantasy football, you would just prefer to, well, in fantasy football, you'd first stack assets. But in the NFL, you can't exactly do that. But you can just go for the highest compensation on your picks. And especially when that is exactly like, I don't know, trading prices, essentially. You get the 101, 201, 301, which has quite a bit of value in the NFL. Yes. Speaking of the 101, Panthers currently are own that, so our eternal optimism for DJ Moore, the candle stays on for just a little bit longer. Yes, just wanted to put that then, into the universe so that and then um, they draft number one and the quarterback and uh, has a Will Anderson. standard rookie season. No, oh, they're gonna no. draft they're gonna they're gonna draft a defensive end. Will Anderson. Watch it. Well, <laughs> and they would be um, doing that. But no, because... in all seriousness, I'm only saying that because I want DJ Moore's market value to go up. Yes, uh, and it absolutely will. Yes, absolutely. Even because in terms of production, the quarterback, if they had a rookie quarterback, we shouldn't expect too much still. Um, but the value would absolutely scour. And if you had like a Bryce Young come to the team, and we know that DJ Moore, like say, finished the season with like a 26% target share and okay peripherals given situation knowing that like what we just put into the universe and knowing all that they're gonna draft will anderson and they're gonna sign andy dalton hmm, i was thinking more along the lines of jimmy g tra- trade for jimmy g <laughs> and then <laughs> they trade yeah. for jimmy g and then draft a tackle 101 yes and they give up draft capital to do it and they spent uh spend quite a bit to bring Jimmy G there. Yeah, no, that's the that's basically exactly what they did with Teddy Bridgewater. The old Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Pretty much. So I think that horrible thought is a great end to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in if you're on Spaces. And thank you for listening if you're on any kind of podcasting site like Spotify, Apple Music, etc. And if you are listening on one of those sites, then feel free to go rate us well and give us a good review because i would thoroughly enjoy that and if that happens then i will tell the script makers to give tom brady to the uh panthers so (laughs) thank you and have a great day and night whatever time it is for you
Have a good one.